it through. I don't know, but I had that same thing about a week ago, and it's like, my goodness, will this ever disappear? And I'm doing everything I can to combat it, but you did wonderful. The Lord certainly was good to you to give you grace. Brother Booger, you've got a little tickle going on, and uh, we, we met yesterday morning, and, and I'm thinking, my goodness, it's, it's an aggravating thing. It's, it's a thing that causes you to lean on the Lord when, uh, when uh, you already lean on Him, but you really have to lean on Him. But both, uh, both of you fellows blessed me in what the Lord put on your heart. And so we're at the final session of Men's Advance. I like the word, the words, Men's Advance. I like the fact we're just men here. Now, I'm told that we're on, uh, is it live stream or something like that? So to all you ladies, this is really the men's advance, but we'll, uh, we'll I guess, have to let somebody out there in the area listen in. I know that there's perhaps a woman or two that knows I'm speaking, and I'm sure she, uh, those one or two may be watching and thinking, I hope Brother Oates really lets those men really have it at that men's advance. If ever there needed to be some preaching done and teaching done, uh, clearly it ought to be uh, to those fellows. But at, uh, at any rate, we're here for a reason. I am concerned, as some of you are, with what I see, what I've lived through. I, I, I've seen some things I never dreamed that I would ever see. Um, we're dealing with some cultural things right now that I never thought would ever happen in the good old USA. We, uh, we uh, seem to be changing, uh, and, and I'm not against change. I was in Kansas a few weeks ago, and I happened to go and look inside an outhouse. How many, how many of you grew up with one of the outhouses? You know a little bit about an outhouse? Well, I didn't have an outhouse growing up, but I, I went inside one last week. I, I'm, and when I got through, I didn't use it, but I just sort of looked around. And, and when I stepped outside, I thought, boy, I'm so glad that that things have changed to where we don't have to go back to that. So I'm not against total change. Uh, I was in a little one-room schoolhouse uh, in the same area, and I thought to myself, well, I never went to a one-room schoolhouse, but I'm glad for some change. But there, are, there is some change going on that's a little, it's hard for me to swallow. Just a few days ago, our uh, legislature uh, passed a law that they relaxed their dress code in the United States Senate, only to find a United States senator come to the Senate floor in his shorts and his hooded sweatshirt. It was only hours later that they decided to come back and uh, Vote back what they've had for over 200 years, some kind of a dress code for our leaders uh, politically. But uh, I guess if we just did what we felt like doing and had no um, rules, I guess we could just show up on the uh, floor of the Senate in our pajama bottoms or whatever else we felt like we, uh, we wanted to do. But I'm concerned about the way our culture is changing. 
I'm concerned about the way our culture changes in church. Uh, I grew up in an old-fashioned church. We knew what it was to have a tent revival in the summertime. Uh, we know what it was to have an altar call. The young people would meet, and they would meet on Saturday night and have their own services. Many of them were called to preach, and they would lead in that Saturday night uh, service. And then the uh, church would have revival and would have it not just once a year, but would have it periodically throughout the year. Uh, I, I know what it, what it is like growing up in a church that's red hot on evangelism. And the baptism waters are stirred, and they're stirred continuously. And the burden for, 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 for reaching your neighborhood and reaching every member in your family uh, with the gospel is, is really real. Uh, and, and now it seems like we can't hardly get a guy that says he's born again to even attend a men's advance. But here we are. And in that respect... I want you to see Psalms 102. Before I read that, let me read this verse to you. You know this verse, but let me just quote it to you. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. And in this expression, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And then let me read one more. Micah chapter number 3 and verse number 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. How not to change in a changing culture. Psalm 102 verse 1 says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble, he said, he said, boy, things are changing. They're changing so rapidly. I'm in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call, answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke. He understands these are unusual days, not like days gone by. My, and my bones are burned as an hearth. My heart is smitten. And withered like grass, so I forget to eat my bread. Things are changing. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. Look at verse number 8. Mine enemies reproach me all the day, and they that are mad against me are sworn against me. It's not like it used to be. I, I've got more enemies than I've ever known. That, that, that just, it's just different. Look at verse 11. My days are like a shadow that declineth. And I am withered like grass. He's understanding that I, I'm not like I used to be. My body is betraying me. My youth has evaded me. My, own, my whole situation is changing, and it's changing quicker than I like. Look at verse 12. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever, and thy remembrance unto all generations. Look at verse 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, 
but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Wow. Heavenly Father, no one would argue that we are in a changing culture. No one would argue that in many cases the change is not for the better but for the worse. And yet you have called us to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And if we're not going to change with the culture, then we've got to hold on to some things to keep us in thy good graces, to keep us on course. And so I pray this morning you'll give us some truth that would accomplish that in our lives. Thank you for every man that's taken of their time this weekend to come both last night and even this morning. Lord, the food has been good. The fellowship has been good. The music has been good. And the preaching has been good. Now we come to the final session. I pray that you'd use me. May this be the day that somebody looks back on and says, I made a decision there that changed the course of my life. Lord, I pray that that would be true in somebody's life. Someone's lost here. This would be the day of their salvation. If someone is hiding and covering up their sin and they think only they know about it, this would be the day they would release it. Do a work of grace in my heart and life as well. The best that I can do is still not good enough. I've prayed for this message. The truth of the matter is, I have lived this message, and I have prepared this message for 65 years. This is not something that I reached into a file and pulled off the burner. This is something that you put in my heart. I pray you'll put it in all of our hearts as men. Bless, I pray, this time. Amen. I make no apologies for what I'm about to, to do and what I'm about to say, but I remember when I was in high school, I didn't fit in in high school. I went to three different high schools and uh, I remember going to school and being too embarrassed, too, too shy to even go into the cafeteria at lunch because I didn't know anybody necessarily. I didn't really have any friends. I was new to this particular school. And, and so instead of going and sitting at a table, uh, seemingly feeling by myself, I thought I'll just go to the back of the gymnasium on the steps there. Nobody ever goes back that way. And I'll spend 15 minutes with my little transistor radio that I would bring to school. I would bring that transistor radio to school because I could tune it in to something called the Family Altar Program. 
an evangelist by the name of Lester Olof would would speak, and I and though I'd never met him before, I'd heard about him, and I loved his voice, and I loved his common sense uh, uh, logic, and I loved his love and passion for the Lord. And I would sit back there. I could only listen to 15 minutes of a 30-minute broadcast because then the the bell would ring, and I'd have to go back to to school. But instead of going into the cafeteria, and instead of doing what all the other student body of over 2,000 students in high school there, I would go back to behind the gym and sit there and I would listen to my little transistor radio. I'd hold it up to my ear because I didn't want anybody else, if they happened to be within earshot, come around the building or whatever, to hear Brother Roloff. And I just wanted to keep them all to myself. And, and I would listen and soak up that 15 minutes and so look forward to that. And can I tell you that from... Early on in my life, I have been poured into by so many different people. And I guess one of the things that has been impressed upon me, perhaps more than any other thing, is this statement, walk in the Word. Walk in the Word. I looked into my library in my study at home and I pulled out this my first Bible. It was given to me on Christmas Day nineteen and sixty five by my loving grandmother, who was a godly influence in my life up until the Lord took her when she was ninety nine years old. I look at the pages got a few pages where there's some colored pictures in it. I'm sure I was so fascinated as I would read my Bible as a seven-year-old boy and look at those pictures and imagine using only what a seven-year-old imagination could conceive. But I poured over In fact, I, I must have been a little hungry on occasion because I've eaten the cover, it looks like, apparently off of the front, but that's my first Bible. I probably have over 20 or so Bibles still on my shelf. But I always look at this one and I always appreciate the love that it was given to me with. I appreciate what it meant to my life as a 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old boy. I used to take my Bible after get off of school and we lived in, in one, one house where there were woods right behind our house. There was time for fishing. There was time for ball playing. There was time for, for uh, playing with the neighborhood kids. But so often it became almost a habit. I would take my Bible and I would take just a few moments and go back down through the trails and I would find a little creek and there was a big tree beside the creek and I would sit with my back against that big tree and I'd take my Bible all I had but just my Bible and I would open it and I would read what I thought I needed to read for that day and I would keep a, a tra- a notes on, on what I would read and I would try to systematically read through my Bible. I'm talking about as a, as a teenager. Walk in the Word. <clears throat> Walk in the Word. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12 it says this, For the Word of God is quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and 
is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Or how about this one, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Or how about this one, Psalm 119, the very Bible chapter in the very center of our Bible says this in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, how it has been as I walk in the word. James put it this way in James chapter 1 in verse number 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Or how about this, gentlemen, Psalm 119, And verse number 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. You've heard this, I'm sure. Either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. I have lived that. That is true. Or how about this? Luke chapter 11. And verse number 28, this is what our Lord said, But he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. I love the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, who had this to say in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. In a changing world, some things remain the same. Or this familiar verse, Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Or Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Can I tell you something? If there ever was a day and age when men needed a foundation... It's this generation, and I'm holding in my hand the very foundation that God intended for man to build his life upon. In fact, can I tell you how important this foundation is? It is this foundation, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, that we get our values from. Do you know why we live in a culture that has low values? Because they have no Bible. Your Bible will determine your values. And you know why your values are so critical? Because from your values, you make your decisions. If you have poor decisions, it's because you have poor values. And if you have poor value, it's because you have no real foundation. We've got to be men that go back to the foundation. In this men's advance, I challenge you, walk in the Word. If you do nothing else in your life, walk in the Word. It is your foundation. You need it. Your family needs it. The place where you work needs it. Walk in the Word. Walk in the Word. Oh, and by the way, when you make those decisions, those decisions that you make determine your character. If you want good character, you better make good decisions. If you're going to make good decisions... You better make them from good values. And if you have good values, you've got to have a good book. You see, it's your character that determines who you really are. 
You know why men have changed? <clears throat> it's because they've changed in their character. You know why they've changed in their character? Because they've changed in some decisions. You know why they changed in some decisions? Because they didn't have the right values. And they didn't have the right values because they didn't have the right foundation. Or how about this one? Psalms 119 says this in, one, in, in verse 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Or I love this one. Matthew chapter 4 in verse number 4, here's what Jesus said, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Or how about Psalms 33 in verse number 4, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Or how about Psalms 56 in verse 4, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Here's what Peter said. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. If you're not growing, there's one reason why you're not. And it's tied to this book. You know, we had Psalms 1 mentioned this morning. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his seas, and his leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. But the ungodly are not so. But they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The question is, are you perishing or are you prospering? And both are tied to the value you've placed in this book. Psalms 119.114 says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Or how about this one? John 8, verse 31 and verse 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In fact, I want you to look at something. Psalm 119. I've quoted enough out of Psalms. Look at Psalm 119 for just a few moments. Let me just point out something that you may have never seen before. In Psalms 119 and verse number, let's see here. Psalms 119 and verse number 15 says this. I will meditate. Boy, that's an important word right there. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Verse 16 says, I will delight. Well, that's an important word right there. Myself in thy statutes. 
I will not forget thy word. I have in my Bible circled the word meditate, and I have circled the word delight, because I see it again. Look at verse number 23. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. There it is. Thy testimonies, verse 24, also are my delight. And my counselors, I have circled the word meditate in verse 23, and I have circled again the word delight in verse number 24, but I see it again. Look at verse number 47. And I will delight, I've circled that word delight there, myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, verse 48 says, which I have loved, and I will, and boy, I've circled that word again, meditate in thy statutes. Isn't it interesting how many times you see the word meditate and the word delight connected? Look back to uh, verse number 77 of Psalm 119, the Bible chapter in the middle of your Bible. Let thy tender mercies, verse 77 says, come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my, and I've circled that word, delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will, and I've circled the word, meditate in thy precepts, because meditate and delight are almost always connected. In fact, I found this out. If I truly delight in this book, then I will meditate in this book. This book will become a part of my... Brother Roloff used to say when I finally met him and heard him in, in uh, person, he'd say... Meditate day and he'd stop, and the crowd would say, night! And he'd look out over the crowd, he'd say, well, that day and night, that, that, that's, that's all of it, right? It's all the time, meditating, day and night. I found out this. The more I desire this book, the more I find myself meditating in this book. Gentlemen, you hear nothing else this morning. Walk in the Word. If God ever needed somebody to stand up and the men of the book. It's today. Walk in the Word. In a world culture that is changing, not for the better, but for the worse, we must be men of the book. But that's not all. I would also tell you to live for the Lord. Really, that's what this meeting is about encourage you, stir you, do something where God can just speak to our hearts to just say, we are going to live for the Lord. And can I tell you something? You'll never live for any higher purpose than that. You'll never come to the end of your life if you live for the Lord and say, well, I've, if you know what, I've wasted my life. I've never heard anybody that ever lived for the Lord, that ever came to that conclusion at the end of their life. There were no regrets. No regrets. The regrets come from men who wasted their life doing trivial things now compared to eternal things. If the Lord is not important to you, make Him important to you by walking in the Word, and then you'll live 
for the Lord. Yes, it is true. A lot of what we do is out of a debt that we owe the Lord. The more you understand what He's done for you, the more you'll want to live for Him. And you'll do it the rest of your life. Not just for salvation, but for sanctification too. Live for the Lord. I was in high school and dating a young girl that encouraged me. In fact, she almost threatened me. She said, if you don't try out for the high school talent contest, I may not date you anymore. And I said, but wait a minute. I, I, all I, I haven't been playing the guitar that long. And, and, and my neighbor across the street, an elderly man, heard me picking notes on a piano in my grandparents' house. And he said, Eddie Paul, yeah, I think I could teach you how, at least how to play the guitar if you'd like to learn. I said, well, you know what? I, I think I would. When I'm old someday, like you, I think I'd want to at least have an instrument that I could play and, and, and help myself. Well, I didn't say it quite like that. But I, and so he came over, and we started having little sessions. He'd bring his guitar, and he'd bring his other guitar, and, and he'd show me how to chord, et cetera, and I began to practice the guitar. Eventually, I got fairly good at it, and, and eventually I found myself entered into our little high school talent contest. I, you've heard of West Point? How many have ever heard of West Point? Well, I didn't go to West Point. I went to East Point. It's a little different. And it was uh, East Point, Louisiana. School all total, maybe of 300 from kindergarten to high school. But we had a high school talent contest. And with the encouragement of my girlfriend in high school, a little 17-year-old kid Decided he would try out, and I tried out. And Mrs. Stewart, in charge of the talent contest, was so thrilled and so pleased. She said, after it was over, my audition was over, she said, uh, "Now, Eddie Paul, the only thing is maybe you could you could uh, lean a little bit closer to the mic when you're singing." And I leaned in and I tapped the mic and I spoke, and I said, "Mrs. Stewart, the, the, nobody ever turned the mic on." And, and so my voice was already carrying. Folks were coming out of study halls and sitting up in the balcony up there when they heard my voice traveling through the school uh, halls. And I said, Mr. Stewart, I'm sorry, but, but the, 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 the microphone wasn't even turned on. And she said, well, we'll care for that at the real, when the real talent uh, contest begins. But I entered that, that year in my talent contest. I didn't know it. But I was competing with some young ladies and and uh, both of those ladies went on, and <clears throat> their talent was singing. One of them won the Louisiana Junior Miss pageant. Her talent was singing. Another one wanted, had a desire to be uh, a country artist, went to Nashville, recorded a few, I think, three albums the last I kept up. But when it was all said and done, the dust had cleared, I won the talent contest. And while the judges were going out to vote, they, they, the, the chant in the school body says, We want oats! We want oats! Mrs. Stewart stood up and says, uh, Eddie Paul, could you sing one more song while they're judging? And so I got up and I sang another song. When it was all over with, they, and they announced the winner, I was, my mother was there, my grandmother was there, and I was talking to them and and all of a sudden, a, a dear lady came up, and she introduced herself. And she said, I miss so-and-so. She said, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And she said, I, in fact, I'm a talent scout for the Grand Ole Opry. 
And I lived, my neighbor is a lady, her name was Minnie Pearl. She said, maybe you've heard of Minnie Pearl. I said, well, I think I, think I have. That, is that the woman that has that? Yeah, that's her. And she's my neighbor, and I'd love to introduce you to her. And I want you to come to Nashville. We have two, two times a year tryouts. You'll be my personal guest. You'll stay in my house. I'll introduce you to Minnie Pearl, and you can try out for the Grand Ole Opry. Well, I've known enough about entertainers with my father's business in Indianapolis as they would come through his uh, hotel and uh, industry there. And, and I thought, man, I, that's the last thing I would ever want to do is live in a motel and go from place to place every month singing or whatever. Perform. And I thought, no, nah, I'm not really good. And so I didn't go. I didn't go. I always knew that perhaps God had something better for me. You see, I'd made a decision after I got saved at seven years of age to get my life in serving the Lord. And in fact, that's what I did after I said to that lady, thank you. Now, the word got out by recess. By lunchtime, Oates is going to Nashville. Oates is going to be a, a superstar. But that never, never happened. But I think I made the right decision. You'll never, you'll never look back and regret serving the Lord. Psalm 18 and verse number 30 says, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. Or how about this one? I love this one. Hebrews 13 and verse number 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Or listen to what Paul said to the Christians at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 4. When Christ, listen to this now, who is our life shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. You know how Paul summarized Jesus and his living for the Lord? He said, he's my life. I get up in the morning and say, I want to live for him. This may be my last day to live for him, but I want to make it count. I want to live for the Lord. Now, you and I treat the Lord a little indifferently oftentimes. We'll give the Lord perhaps sometime, but only when it's not an inconvenience to, to, to our schedule. Well, we need some men that will walk in the Word and live for the Lord. Or how about this one? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, and verse number 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. He would say again to the church at Philippi, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Things I used to think were important, not so important now that I've made the decision to live for the Lord. No wonder he could come to this conclusion in the first chapter of Philippians, in verse number 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and 18, it says this, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. And it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Or how about this, Romans chapter 14, in verse number 8, For whether we live... We live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we 
are the Lord's. I wish men would understand that. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 23 says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, And that He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. No wonder he would say in Philippians chapter 4, in verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Live for the Lord. There's one more. In a world culture that changes, you'll not change with it when it changes for the worse. If you're walking in the Word, living for the Lord. And this one might seem a little trivial to you, and it perhaps ten years ago probably would have been to me, but now I see it. And I see it more clear than I've ever seen it before. And it is this. Continue. In church. Our churches were rocked a few years ago. Some of them went out of existence. Some of them are just shadows of what they used to be. It may be that our churches will be rocked again. I do not know. But I know one thing I am resolved to build my life and center my life to be continued in the church. This morning, I had coffee with three gentlemen around a round table. As I looked around that table, I thought to myself, and I, didn't know, I did not know Brother McCormick. I did not know Brother Chamberlain. Unfortunately, I did know Brother Boer, but I, I did not know much about the other two. But as I heard their testimonies and just a little bit of their life in just a few seconds or minutes, I realized that there's more in common at this table than just that we're brothers in Christ. We've all gone through some things that are very similar. I had just visited a hospital. It was in the evening time when I came home. I walked into my house. I went down the hallway to where my lovely wife, I thought, was. And when I walked into her room, I was horrified by what I saw. She was laying on the floor. And she was unconscious. I immediately called 911. They came and they transported my wife to a hospital. By the time I got to the hospital, they had already run some tests in the emergency room and they thought that she had had a stroke. And as a result, they introduced aspirin into her system. 
only to do an MRI and the MRI to come back just a few hours later. And the MRI, they would tell us the following day the results. I was in the hospital room sitting on the hospital bed beside my wife. And the doctor said, the MRI reveals, a glioblastoma grade 4 cancer tumor. There is no cure for that. It is the fastest growing cancer that anyone can have. He said in two weeks, she won't be here unless you have surgery. And he said, because I'm the surgeon, let me just tell you the chances of her even surviving surgery are not that good. He said, if she were to survive, the tumor is so massive behind her left eye that she probably will be blinded, at least in that eye. Most likely she'll be paralyzed on one side of her body and she'll probably never be able to speak again. So you have a decision to make. I looked at my wife in privacy and I said, Honey, I said, I can't imagine what we just heard. It's your choice. What do you choose? She says, well, I'm not afraid to die. Forty-nine years of age, but I'm not afraid to die. She said, what do you feel? I said, well, I don't want to lose you. If there's a chance, then I say let's take the chance, but I'd rather have a little longer to say goodbye than two weeks. She said, yeah, that's kind of the way I feel. So the surgery was scheduled for a week later because of the aspirin they had given her. So the day of the surgery, I prepared myself. I prepared her. I gave her to the Lord as best I could. But I guess you're never prepared. When they were putting her into recovery, they took her from there. I could not see her until they put her in intensive care. I was walking down the hallways of intensive care. It's the very hallway that I had been for almost three months with my deacon in my church who had gone through some serious life-threatening issues. In fact, they had pulled him out of intensive care and put him in a room up on an upper floor the very just, just hours before my wife entered into the same hallway of intensive care. So I was very at home in intensive care, thought I had this under control, but I was not prepared when I walked around the corner into the doorway and there she was. Her head was doing this, uncontrolled. Her arms were filleted up and down. There was a nurse on one arm, another on the other side of the hospital bed holding the other arm that was also wanting to go up and down. I looked at her, and I said, that's all I have. I want her. I want her. And I had her. The Lord gave us three and a half years. Those three and a half years were not 
easy. The steroids that they gave her, I think, probably, not only did it keep the tumor down, but it caused her body to just grow massively to the tune of 650 pounds the last time I could get her on a scale, which meant that I couldn't take her to see a doctor. The doctor would have to come to our house. The last year of her life was barely all. It was everything I had to just to move her, to tip her body over so I could keep her clean and to keep the sheets cleaned. And, and I had to feed her because she couldn't feed herself. I remember the last night, it was on a Sunday, and uh, I, uh, through three and a half years, I never missed a Sunday preaching. But only because I had some good ladies in my church who said, Pastor, if you need to, we'll go see Mrs. Oates and you can come to church and preach. I said, would you do that? And they did. In fact, a week before she died, they had prepared. They'd ask her one time, well, what, what sounds good for you to eat? What would you like us to make? And she's just joking with them. She said, oh, steak, baked potato, salad, something like that. The following Sunday, they stunned her. They had steak. They had baked potato. They had salad. They put a little table in her room with a little white tablecloth and a flower and a vase and a candle lit. And then I came home. I didn't know anything was happening. And we had our last steak dinner together, and I cut her steak and fed it to her. That night, I remember before going downstairs to sleep, and sometimes, most of the time, I would sleep on a cot. It was just miserable, though, to do so right beside her bed. I had, the, I had cameras on her. I had an alarm on her if she were to make any body movement it would it would alert me and so she was incredibly sick and I said you know what the nurse will be here at 7.30 in the morning it's 1.30 in the morning right now let's just hold off I don't want you to go to the hospital again let's just hold off We, we let's just try to hold on for a few hours through the night and that nurse will be here and so I went downstairs. The last time I checked was 1.30 in the morning. The last time I checked it was 3.30, and I looked in my, my camera, and she seemed to be okay. And again, I had sound that I could hear. I had a, an alarm system that if she were to raise her hand, it would alert me. Next morning, about 6 in the morning, I went upstairs. Her arm was off the bed, and I grabbed her arm to take her blood sugar and as I took her hand and I brought it up to the meter and I began to turn her hand, I noticed that they were blue and purple. I looked at her immediately. She had a, a BPAP machine on, higher than a CPAP, because she needed more intense pressure. And, and I looked at her and I noticed that her chest was not moving. And I said, oh, no, no. No, no, no. She's gone. I remember going outside 
I remember looking up to see if there really was a sky, if the sun really was shining that day. I remember looking out. There's the nurse in her car. And I walked over to the car where the nurse was, and she rolled her window down, and I said, I think my wife is dead. She said, well, you need to call 911. I said, I will, but would you check on her for me first? She went in there, and she came back. She said, Mr. Oates, I'm sorry. She's, she is gone. I remember coming back to church the following Sunday. I didn't want to. Didn't feel like it. Would rather have But I found out something about church. I needed church as much as they needed me. And I did something that day I'd never done before. As we dismissed our service that day, God met with us like he always does. I remember saying, folks, I feel like I just need your prayers. And I need to sense them this morning. I'm going to kneel right here in the middle of our building. You fellas, you want to come and gather around me? You want to just put your hand on me? Do so. You ladies stand and just move from your places and come around behind the men. I'm going to ask two of you men to just lift your voice at some point and pray. God would give me wisdom. That God would give me strength. That God would just use me. And I remember those prayers begin to be uttered on my behalf. And I just, my body began to heave. And I fell in love with those people all over again. And I thought to myself, it was all done. I thought, I don't know how anybody gets through the things in this world without church. Now, you hear me. It'd be a wonderful day in your life if when you've got a little headache or you've stubbed your toe or you just don't feel like going to church, if you would make the decision once and for all as a man... I'm going to continue in church. You'll never look back and say, wow, that was a terrible decision. You need church more than you think you do. I challenge you this morning. If you don't want to change with the culture, walk in the Word. Live for the Lord. And continue in church. Shall we stand? The older I get, to be honest with you, now I've got to do what my great-grandmother did. She'd ever miss. She was 96 when she went to heaven. But she lived for the Lord's day. She's faithful Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But I found out something. She said, I have, to, I have to save my strength to go to church. Well, I guess so. The older I get, I realize, boy, I think I need to save some things too just to get to church sometimes. But I'm always glad when I come to church. I hope this men's advance has been what God wanted to give you in your life. But I don't know that. I don't know what your need is. 
I know that you've heard enough clear teaching. Your heart has been blessed with the music. But if you don't live by some principles, you're just going to float with the culture of the world. I wonder how many good men I, I know who are not in church. I wonder how many men I know that live for the Lord that no longer live for the Lord. I wonder how many men I know that I would say their testimony was they walked in the Word, but it's been a long time since they even looked at the book. Continue in church. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to keep those three things in mind. And I think that the three men that I sat at the table with, we've got these three things as best I know. We walk in the Word. We live for the Lord. We made the decision to continue in church. It's not a perfect church, but it's His church. Would you join me? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. The pianist plays. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If the Lord spoke to you in one of those three areas or even the session before or even last night's session, but you knew you should have done something, but you didn't, you held back, would you just surrender everything today? Do you feel your need to just be prayed for? I'm going to ask Brother Boer to just come and stand in front of the pulpit this morning. Thank God for this man. Thank God for this man who walks in the Word and lives for the Lord and continues in 